Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey, I want to welcome you. Glad that you're glad that you're here. Great to be with you. Uh, today, we are actually wrapping up Live Big 2020. And if you're new with us, Live Big is our annual generosity initiative where we carve out about four weeks a year. And uh, we practice living out the words of Jesus where he said, it is better to give than to receive. And so for those four weeks, we just challenged our entire church and anyone else who wants to be involved. And what's great, we have uh, people from all over who want to be involved. And uh, we just say, okay, the filter is give first, receive second. And then everything that we give, we give away to help those in need. Now, if you haven't given financially to Live Big, uh, this is the last week to do that. And so go on our Live Big page, theridgecc.com forward slash uh, live big, and we have a huge wish list from from a bunch of great uh, local nonprofit partners of ours, and so we get the opportunity to help them, so they can in turn help other people and help more people who are in need. Uh, what's great is is we have a lot of cool stories that are already coming out from Live Big. We have a, a business owner in our church. Uh, she's really been encouraging her customers to give towards Live Big, and then when they give towards it, or they're actually giving directly to the partners, uh, she is matching up to a certain point. Another person in our church, he's decided to run a 100-mile race, and then he's going to use the money from that race that he raises to give towards Live Big, in particular, opera- Operation Warm. Now, I know what you're thinking, but no, it is not me. I know you probably thought it was me, but no, it isn't. Uh, the, the, the critical generation has always been a big part of Live Big. We love when our kids and students get involved in Live Big. And here is a picture of an all-star. Uh, this cutie right here is uh, this is a picture of her bringing $10 that she raised towards Live Big. And so it's just really cool to watch her uh, give her gift towards Live Big. And so we just have a lot of cool stories, a lot of creativity that's happening. Love that as people are just wanting to be generous so they can help others in need. So if you have not given, I want to encourage you to do so because this is the last week. And if you have and God is tugging at your heart, go for it. Let's finish strong. Uh, if you haven't bought any swag yet, all the, the Live Big swag, that goes towards Live Big as well. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also, as I put up the, the link again, uh, if you... As a part of Live Big, we also encourage people, uh, we want them serving those in need during Live Big. And so there is all sorts of creative ways on this page that you can serve those in need. And uh, we have a lot of great stories of that as well. So I want to encourage you to do that as we round our last turn of Live Big. Now, for the last two years of our series, we have ended it by challenging everybody to Live Big all year. Because when we live big, which we define as giving more than, re- than we receive, I mean, we just, we like it better. And here's how I know that. I bet every single one of you has a story where you gave generously to those in need. And it was a struggle at first, but then after you, after you did it, you were glad you did it. You felt better that you did it. And you have all sorts of stories, what I call buyer's remorse stories, or I call them receiver's remorse stories. But I bet you if you have few, if any, giver's remorse stories. And I bet you also have a story where you served people in need. And once again, it took you a while to get out there. It was a struggle at first. But then after you did it, 
You were glad you did it. You felt better that you did it. I would bet that you have all sorts of stories of regret from being selfish, but that you don't have any stories of regret from serving people in need. And so the question I want to talk about today is why don't we do it all year round? I mean, we, we like it better than we do. We like ourselves better than when, when we do. And we have no, we all see the needs around us, especially what's going on this year. So why don't we live big all year? Well, one of the reasons I think that we don't live big all year is because of what many of us believe about spiritual growth. Here's how many of us evaluate if we're growing in our faith or not. We evaluate with like this. We grow, grow is based on what I know. And I want to make a difference with my life. I want to make an impact with my life. And I know that I have been invited by God to be a part of a larger story, but. And then we have all these but statements that follow. But I don't know enough. But I'm new to this whole faith journey thing. Hey, I'll start to do more when I know more. Now, there are many problems with this way of viewing spiritual growth. Uh, one of the problems is, well, how do you know when you know enough. And the reality is, we don't know. Another problem is you can hide behind no. I can't tell you how many people I have met over the years that they know all the right answers, but they're making very little impact when it comes to bringing the kingdom of God through their life to influence others because mostly everything is up here, but very little of it is down here. And then one final way this is a problem is it creates what I call spiritual consumers. And what do consumers do? They sit back and they receive. And you know what consume eventually leads to? Doom to your faith because you have a desire to make a difference. God has wired us to make a difference, but we're not finding it in our faith. So if we're not going to find it there, eventually we'll look somewhere else. Now, as I, as I talk about this, please know I have nothing against growing in our understanding of God's story. In fact, I think it's an essential part of, of growing in our faith. But when this becomes how you evaluate spiritual growth, you'll become smarter, but you'll miss out on the larger story God has invited us into. I want to suggest to you a much different, much more exciting and impactful way to view spiritual growth. Here's this way. We grow as we go. That knowing is important, but knowing happens best in conjunction with grow. Now, this approach, this is actually the approach that Jesus used with his disciples. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples as recorded by Matthew, who was actually there when he said this. Here's what Jesus said. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my apprentice, my follower, must deny. Now, deny just means say no to. Well, Jesus, who should we say no to? Deny themselves. I want you to say no to yourself and take up their cross. Now, we, we think about the symbol of the cross, and that's, a, that's an accepted symbol in our culture today, but back then it wasn't. And so Jesus says, I want you to take up the very thing that's considered a death sentence. I want you to die to your plan. I want you to die to your agenda. I want you to die to your desire to write your own story. So I want you to take up your cross and then follow me. Not into a Bible study, not into a classroom. I want you to follow me as I bring the kingdom of God wherever I go. And when you read about Jesus and the disciples, this is exactly what, what we read. 
we see that Jesus is like, okay, follow me. And then they would watch Jesus and they would follow him and they would watch him interact with people and they'd be like, how are you interacting with these type of people? You're a religious leader, you're not supposed to be, but they would watch. And then he would perform miracles. And then Jesus would take time and he would stop in the midst of all this and then he would connect the dots for them. Here's why I'm doing this. Here's what this means. Here's the larger picture of stuff. And then he would go back and he would do it again and then he would debrief with them again. Jesus' way was to grow as we go. Now, here's the thing. We know that this is the best way to grow in almost anything. I want you to think back to when you learned how to ride a bike. I can still remember when I taught my kids how to ride a bike. Here's what I didn't do. I didn't sit them down and get out a computer and I'll say, okay, guys, I just downloaded a bunch of YouTube videos on how to ride a bike. We're going to watch these things and then, you know, sat and watched the YouTube videos on how to ride a bike. And then I didn't get out a, a big chart with a picture of a bike on it and all the different parts were marked and I didn't go through all the parts and say, okay, this is a pedal and here's what a pedal does, you know. And then when I was done with all that, I didn't say, do you guys have any questions? Okay, you now know enough, now go and have fun riding a bike. I didn't do it that way. Here's what I did do. Took him outside, took out a bike, and I talked to him about balance and brakes and safety, and then I said, hey guys, the best way to learn how to ride a bike is to ride a bike. And so I put him on a bike, and then uh, they would start pedaling, and I would be behind him, I'd hold the seat, and it would be like wobble, wobble, fall, and wobble, wobble, fall, and then after a couple times doing that, I would give him some more pointers, and it was wobble, wobble, fall. But each time we kept doing that, they would get a little better, they get a little better, a little better, till eventually they were able to ride a bike. Well, how did they grow into riding a bike? By riding. And this is the same thing that, that Jesus did. He said, all right, guys, I want you to follow me. And they were like, well, where are we going? And he said, here's where we're going. I want you to die to your agenda, die to your plans, die to your desire to write your own story but I want you to go to where I go. And that's exactly what they did. And they would watch Jesus, Jesus would connect the dots, and then finally it got to the point where Jesus said, all right, you know what I just did? I want you to try it. And then it would be wobble, wobble, fall, wobble, wobble, fall, wobble, wobble, fall, until eventually they got to a point where the things that Jesus did, they did. Jesus' way was to grow as we go. Earlier this year, I took a team of people from our church down to Honduras to explore a, a new international partner or a potential new international partner. And as we were down there, I challenged this team to grow as they go, and we're going to hear their story. And as we hear their story, I want you to listen for a few things. I want you to listen just for the, the resistance and the wrestling that went on, but I also want you to listen to their willingness to go and how that changed their faith. Here's their story. I felt like I missed something. You know, and then I kind of felt like, what did I just say yes to? The, the tension elevated in the room. Uh, some people thought that they were brought here for a different reason, and all they needed to do was to recommend that somebody else do something. I think there was definitely some shock. Um, people, you could kind of just see it on people's faces. Yeah, I was a little frustrated uh, with it all and trying to digest it.
it's me. <laughs> the first thing I did as I went to the map and figured out where Honduras was. <laughs> and uh, seeing that it was way south in January, that's not such a bad thing. We really didn't know one another. We didn't know who else was gonna be on the trip with us. We got on an airplane in the cold and the dark in early January and five hours later, we landed in a place none of us had ever been before. We were asked, I believe, to be on this trip because Mark took a look and prayed and asked God who he thought would be a group of people that were all special in their own ways to go on this trip and learn from one another. Back in the fall of last year, uh, we were approached about uh, a potential new partnership in Honduras with Stady and Compassion. And in the past, it's been uh, someone on our staff or me flies down there, assesses the situation, and then makes decisions on whether we're gonna go with the partnership or not. So I began thinking, what if we could do this differently? What if instead of me going down there and doing it, what if uh, a team of people from our church went down there? And so uh, I, I assembled a group of people that I knew, and I knew a lot of them didn't know each other, and I thought, let's bring this group together, and then let's go down there and see what God does. Once we got there and um, kind of got out of the airport, the thing that really, um, kind of the first thing we did was kind of all got on the bus and um, I think at that point it was like, yep, we're here, we're ready. Um, and I think that was, uh, from, from a group perspective, uh, was really good to kind of, once you got there, got through the airport and you're like, okay, we're here, we're, we're ready for, our, for the trip. Uh, we're ready to see and meet people and, and uh, see what, what God has to do here. Okay. Everybody, please come over here. Yeah, so guys. My role in Honduras was really to play as kind of a, a liaison and uh, to kind of uh, walk through the different pieces to a partnership and what that looked like. We knew the purpose why we were there was to try to evaluate if a brand new church should be established in this area. So the whole time we were there, we had that in the back of our minds. We we're trying to experience everything and to learn from everybody around us with the intentionality of at the end of all of this saying, we believe that a church should be put here or we believe that a church should not be put here. So when we talk about this area of Honduras, this is among the you know, the poorest people in the world. I mean, it's a developing country to say the least. One of the things that caught my attention is that the local people had already started digging a foundation. So they don't have any funding. They don't know where anything's gonna come from, but they know that they wanted a church building. We got to visit a couple different families, which was nice. I mean, it gave us perspective on a couple different neighborhoods and areas and uh, so we got to take a, a actual gift basket of goods you know to these different homes uh, obviously see you know living uh, quarters and what that looked like and i think it was very eye-opening being in their home seeing what the home was like um, but also seeing how full of joy the mom and the children were and how excited they were to just welcome company in and not worried about you know, what we might be thinking or anything. They were just excited to have us there and welcome us in. Um, but it was a very eye-opening experience for me. I think the thing that stuck out to me about the village was really um, at the end, um, the pastor who will be the pastor of the site prayed for the family um, 
that we visited and just um, just experiencing that and the, the love that he has for the people of the village. I mean, just the emotion of all of it, I think, you know, inherently and in just being there and seeing it, we all wanted to get involved. You know, the questions were how and what did that look like? And I think everyone was trying to digest what that meant. Um, but I think all the people there were, were genuinely interested in helping out. It's just, it was more of a question of, okay, how does this move forward? How do we go about this? Um, and uh, I think that's where the questions started. So I think when we, so we got together at the end of the trip and uh, and talked through what is what is this going to look like? What's our involvement going forward? Um, and I think the initial impression was this is a good thing. I think in country, the conversation really started about just kind of, I would call it almost like a wrestling, you know, you know, Mark led this trip. We had been invited. Um, but you know, we got there and on, it was our last night in country and we were debriefing and there was, there was tension. You know, there were some people who were ready to, they were all in, they thought it was awesome, but there was other people, myself included, I had a lot of questions about mostly the logistics. We all came to the conclusion, yes, something needs to be done here. Um, as we made the transition to finding out how much this costs, this costs a lot of money. It cost $87,500 to get this, to get this facility. How do we pay for this? Like, this was an expensive project, you know, and I was pretty confident that the Ridge didn't have this amount of money sitting around. You know, is it a special offering? Is, what does that look like? And that was details we didn't get. But that was a big discussion when we were there, was does the Ridge have the money? How do we get it? Da, da, da. And then he just kept saying, but should we do it? Should we do it? Should we do it? Should we do it? And I'm a pretty pragmatic person, so that was hard for me. I was like, well, this matters. You know, was it going to take away from other projects? Um, and Mark was pretty clear with us that, like, what he wanted us to wrestle with first was, is this a good thing and is this right for this team and as representatives of the Ridge, the Ridge at large, should we say yes to this? I, I assembled that group together because I, f I fully believed in that group. Kind of decided that we wanted to get involved, but a lot of the next step or what that looked like was left to be untold or undecided. So then when we're meeting the second night, Mark drops the big bomb. My ask of them was twofold. One, it was when we were down there, it was, okay, we're gonna leave here and take two weeks and we're gonna pray for God's leading and direction. And the team prayed and they did some fasting together. And then if the answer was yes, then the other part of that was this group would figure out a way to raise the money to start this new church. So then we discovered through talking that uh, Mark encouraged us to figure out a way just to do this ourselves. I saw a lot of people go back in their chairs a little bit. We were gonna raise the money, but without any of the power of the rich. 
There's a little, you know, frustration there for me personally. You're thinking of how big of a task that is, how much time it's gonna take on, and kind of like, whoa, that number just got a lot bigger. So no stage time, no booth in the lobby, no social media campaign, just the 12 of us. I was thinking about just my own personal story when I first became a Christian. And I was at a church, and this church was doing really great things, and we got to contribute to a lot of those great things, and that was awesome. But there was a part of me, because I always heard that God wanted to use me to do significant things uh, for Him, but I never really had the opportunity to explore that. As I began to look at our church and, and began thinking about, do we allow that for people? And so it's been on my heart for the past year, year and a half or so to go, I don't think we have been. So I wanted to um, take a team of people and really give them the opportunity to, to do that. And then use this team of people as an example of, hey, this is, God can do this in them. God wants to do this through you as well. You know, it kind of left the situation there for us to either take by the, you know, reins or not. You know, we could have all just said no and no one would have been better off because of it. Uh, and I think initial reactions were all over the place from anger to frustration to, you know, everything. But it didn't change the fact that people still needed help and we had to decide, you know, if we want to take that step. I completely understood people's initial reaction. Uh, I have felt that reaction personally. So I was actually, when we went into the meeting to talk about it, I was totally anticipating it. I knew that it was going to push against what our church, for example, has conditioned. But I also knew in the process, when we went down there, I didn't know if we were going to all agree that that was a partnership that we should do. And so I wanted that team to be fully equipped to make that decision. We met then in mid-February after we had a couple of weeks just to come back and rest on the situation, think through it, uh, and pray through it. We got together to try to figure out how is it that we're going to come together and we're going to raise this money. This was like right in the midst of COVID. So then it was like we went to Zoom meetings. People are, you know, losing jobs and all this uncertainty. And... Um, it was kind of like a, a gut check, right? Like, okay, fine, we, we, we overcame this obstacle, and then we decide, okay, let's move forward, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, COVID hits, and it's like, now what? Do I mean, do we put this on hold? Is this something we forget about, or do we just try to kind of power through? Hey, they black. So we knew that we needed to raise the money by the 1st of July in order for the facility to be built for the opening of the school year in the fall of 2021. We needed money, that, that was the goal, to raise money. We wanted uh, to give the opportunity, or have the opportunity to share our story and then invite people to come alongside us in whatever way they could. What I kept thinking about is if I had known that information ahead of time, would it have changed the way I felt like God was answering my prayers? Um, the answer of yes, you should move forward coming from God. And I just had to come to terms with, nope, it wouldn't have changed. God doesn't need us. 
but is he choosing to use us? Somehow, God had picked us to be on this team, to go on this trip, and then that he was gonna allow us to be used for building his kingdom. Not only will the church be there to teach the community about Jesus, this church will be able to help provide for those families in the community. For me, you know, a step in sharing my faith and talking about the journey, I wanted to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I experienced. It's real, it, it hit me at the core. This wasn't a pastor saying, here's what our church is gonna do. It was a pastor saying, if you guys wanna do this, we, I really want you to try to figure this out. Um, and it was fun to be you know, around the team as they were discovering this information, learning how this was gonna maybe work. The hardest part for me in all of this is to expose how I really, really feel in my heart in order to communicate that to somebody else, to ask them for money and to go along this journey with me. I knew that if they allowed themselves to wrestle with God and get to that place where they were, okay, God, I don't know, I've never done this before, I don't know where this is gonna end up, but I'm willing to do it. I knew if they said yes, no doubt that they would accomplish it for sure. If God's asking you to do something that you're not sure of, but it sounds like God's saying yes, but it's just out of your comfort zone personally, that's where we grow the most, and um, we need to be challenged to move forward. When God speaks to us, sometimes it's hard to listen because we doubt ourselves. But I think it's a real blessing when God speaks to us to pull at our heart and show us where he wants us to go that God can take us to places that we could never have imagined without Him. Both of our lives have been changed because of this experience and being willing to step into those uncomfortable things. And I, just to be honest, it didn't always get easier. Like it remained uncomfortable. Fundraising was profoundly uncomfortable for us. We raised the most money after the pandemic started. We saw God just show up. And I think it's because 12 people said yes to being uncomfortable. Uh, I was in awe, actually, with how well the team responded and got back home and figured out how they were gonna raise the resources necessary. And then they did it during a pandemic. For me, spiritually, it's, you know, it's much bigger than us, right? We, we think that it's, you know, all these hurdles and, and, and it's so little, but really it's, it's much bigger trust of God in the midst of uncomfortable things and really knowing that God is on your side and that it's not, it's not about necessarily the money or the time. It's about Jesus, right? That's in the end, it's about Jesus and trusting him and he will come alongside you, that you're not on, you're not doing this on your own and trusting that what you're doing is in line with what he has planned for you. You know, that is probably my fourth or five time, fifth time seeing that video, and every time I see that, I am just beyond proud of that team. I mean, just to, 
I mean, what I asked them to do was not an easy task. And so I placed a huge burden on them and uh, just to watch them wrestle and to deal with the resistance and getting uncomfortable and then getting to a place where they were like, okay, we're gonna do this. And uh, to take steps to trust God and then eventually get to the end of it and see God work. I mean, it's just, once again, it's just inspiring to me. And I hope that that inspires you as well. Because if you're willing, because they were willing to say yes to God and go, a church will someday be started in a place that's going to meet a bunch of spiritual and physical needs. When I say a bunch, hundreds of families will be impacted because of it. But not just that. This group, because they did that, they now have what I call a God story. And you know what a God story is? A God story is when we go through tough times in our life, when we begin to go through seasons of doubt in our faith, and we'll all go through those type of seasons. A God story is a story that they can look back on and go, hey, do you remember when uh, we chose to trust God in this way and uh, uh, that pastor of that church, he convinced us to do this really stupid thing and to try to raise $87,000 to start this church and we said yes and uh, we wondered and we doubted and we resisted and then a pandemic hit, but God showed up and we can't believe it. And if he showed up there, then why can't he show up right here in our life and what we're going through? You see, because for this team, now God's faithfulness and his power and his provision isn't just something they learned about in church. It's something they lived. It's something they experienced. It's something that's real. And their faith journey will never be the same because of that. So let me ask you, why? Why don't you live big all year. I mean, what's keeping you from stepping out in some way and saying, God, I'm willing to go? You know, for, for many of us, it's a fear of some kind. You know, we're, we're afraid that we're going to fail or we're afraid to get uncomfortable or we're afraid for many, we're just afraid God's not going to show up. You know, for some, it's just a feeling of inadequacy. It's, well, I, I don't believe God could ever use me and I don't know enough and I'm just not in a place where that can happen. For others, when we think about spiritual growth. We are really locked into it's all about what you know. And when you lock into it's all about what you know, there tends to be an unwillingness to go. So why don't we do it all year? I just want to challenge you to be honest with you about the question. And then here's a second question I want to encourage you to ask. What's one small way that you can say yes today? Because some of you are thinking, well, Mark, I can't get on a plane and go to Honduras, and I'm definitely not getting on a plane with you and going to Honduras, because I know how that story goes. And then maybe that's true, but maybe for some of you, that one small way is just live big, that through all the uncertainty, God is encouraging and challenging you to, to maybe serve in some way or to give financially to those in need. But here's the thing, every single day of our lives, there are all these small opportunities that God places in our way. You know, what is that for you? As we wrap things up and we wrap up Live Big 2020, I, I want to look at the verses that follow the passage that we looked at earlier. And uh, we're going to look at the words of Jesus again. And we read this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And then here's what he says after, whoever wants to save their life, which is all of us, right? I mean, this is why we try to control and manipulate and try to plan our way in our life. Whoever wants to save their life, and listen what he says, we'll lose it. And here's what we all know. The more we try to control our life, the more we realize we can't control our life, that ultimately we can't save our life. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And then, but whoever loses their life, in other words, whoever gives it away, whoever gives up control to follow Jesus will 
find it. In other words, they'll receive it. You see, we have to give away our life if we're going to receive life. And then here's how Jesus wraps this up. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And as he raised the question, everybody knew what the answer was. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will, and I love this, reward each person, not according to what they have believed, but according to what they have done. And what I love about that is that means this. It means when we're willing to wrestle and we're willing to push through and to get uncomfortable, that when we go, not only will other people benefit, and they will always benefit, but we will benefit as well, both in this life and in the next. I think it's why that Jesus said those famous words that have become the foundation for Live Big every year, that it is better to give than to receive. And so I just, I never want you to settle. And I never want you to hide behind, well, I'll go when I know. Listen, God is writing an amazing story all around us every single day. And he has invited every single one of you to be a part of that story. And it's a story of redemption and life change and impact. But to be a part of that story, you gotta be willing to go. And to go, you gotta be willing to do it before you know. And so as we wrap up Live Big 2020, I'm just gonna have us take us through a time where we just dedicate that to God. And as we dedicate that to God to wrap it up, I'm gonna invite just some of the people of the Honduras team. I know some of you are wondering, are they still talking to you, Mark? They're still talking to me. And uh, I'm gonna invite some of them to come up because as you see them, I want them to be a reminder to you and an encouragement to you that there is not one single person that God doesn't wanna do significant things through. But you gotta be willing to go there, you gotta be willing to wrestle, you gotta be willing to struggle and you got to be willing to get uncomfortable. So everybody bow their head and close their eyes. And I'm going to go through our questions. And I just want you in, in your space to be honest with God about these questions. Why don't you live big all year? What is that for you? Is it fear? Is it the feelings of inadequacy? Is it just a resistance to it altogether? What is that for you? What is keeping you from going, okay, God, I, I'll be used by you. I'll go. I'll go. And then what's one small step? One small. You don't have to get on a plane to go to Honduras. It's one small step in your everyday life where you can say yes to God today. What is that? And here's the great thing. You already know what it is because you've been resisting it. You've been talking yourself out of it. You already know what it is. What about just saying, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Father, I thank you for the reminder that living big isn't just something that you've called us to do four weeks of the year, even though it's great to do it these four weeks. It's the invitation that you have on every one of our lives, that there is things out there, there's a calling, there's opportunity, that for each and every person that you're going, I made you for that. I have something for you. And God, uh, we don't have to wait to get to a certain knowledge point. We just have to be willing and we have to be available. Father, I pray across our church that there would be hearts that open up and go, all right, I, I'm willing to say yes. Even to these little small things, I'm willing to do it. And God, that we know that the small things turn into 
that small things over time turn into really, really big things. And so really nothing's small. So Father, I pray that you would just speak clearly to all of us. I thank you for this group behind me because of what they did and the courage that they had that there'll be a church someday that reaches hundreds of people for you. And Father, that's not just this group, that's all of us, the type of impact that you wanna make in all of our lives. Thank you, God, that your calling on our lives is to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And may we be willing and open to do just that. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.